right, well, good morning to everyone. Good morning to the well here at STSA, and welcome. We are happy to see you, whether you are here joining us, friends and family, or those who are across the screen over in Arlington. We are happy that you're here. We're excited that you're joining us, but by the end of today, you might not be so glad that you came. And the reason why I'm telling you up front, I don't like to do a bait and switch right here. I'm telling you up front today, I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to tell you to do something hard. And at the beginning, especially if you've never done it before, you're probably going to hate me for doing it. You're going to resist what I'm asking you to do, and you're going to say, why did I come to this place, and why did I accept this? And this is the last time that when that guy invites me to his church, this is the last time I go there. But I'm willing to risk that, and the reason why is because what I'm going to challenge you to do I know without a shadow of a doubt, I believe with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I've challenged others to do it in the past, and I believe with all my heart, it'll be the best thing for you. And I believe that it can free you up in new ways to grow deeper in your relationship with God and to experience stress, relief from stress like you never have before. And I guarantee you, from all the people who have done what I've challenged them to do, I guarantee you every single one of them, 100% of them has later who have done it, have told me, thank you, I'm glad I did it, And I guarantee even more than that, the people around them said, thank you, Father Anthony, for telling them to do that. So today, I'm going to challenge you. In case you're wondering, this is a series on money. We're not going to ask you for any money. Okay, so let's just get that right out of the way. This is not one of those like, you know, we're going to dim the lights, you know, cue the picture of the orphan, whatever it may be. Like, it's not going to be like that. We're not going to pass around a plate, nothing like that. But what I am going to ask you to do is change the way you view money. I'm going to ask you to change and flip the script on what you see. But before we get there, okay, let's go recap of what you missed last week in case you missed the well. The theme that we talked about here, the name of this series is The Meaning of Money. This is what we said last week, is that money can add meaning to your life, but only when you realize that it's just a means, not the end. Money can add meaning to your life. That's why it's called the meaning of money, but only when you realize that it's not the end, it's just a means to an end. So last week, I left you with the question to ponder, to what end do you want your life to be a means? What do you want to be known for? What do you want to be celebrated? What do you want, after all is said and done, people to say, that person, that person, not what I remember about them, what I'm grateful about them, what what sticks out about them is this. And I'm not telling you what the answer should be. Like, who am I? I'm just trying to figure it out for me. You figure it out for you. I'm not telling you how to live your life. But what I'm telling you is, once you decide, money can be a great tool to help you get there. So for some of us, money is a great tool to get us to the point where people would say about us, I want my life to be to the end towards, I want to be the guy with the newest phone. I always want the newest phone. And whenever anything, new technology, that's going to be me. Money will help you get there. I want to be the guy, like I want to be the cool car guy. So anytime there's a new car, like the Tesla guy or the new thing, whatever, like I want to be the cool car guy. I want to be the guy who ate the most food out at restaurants. Like, that's what I want me to be known for. No one spent more money in Starbucks or restaurants or cuisine than me. If that's what you want to live for, money is a great tool to help you get there. Money is also a great tool if you say, I want to live my life for orphans. I want to live my life to hopefully solve cancer. I want to live my life to spread the gospel. I want to live my life to build the church. Like, Whatever it is, again, I'm not telling you what it is. Who am I? Like, I don't have any authority over you. I'm just telling you about me. But I'm telling you that take your time, make a decision what you want your life to be lived for. And then once you do, money is a great servant to get you there. But the problem, if you don't decide, then money goes from being a servant 
to being a master. And money, as we saw last week, is a great servant, but not so much a good master. This is the verse that we talked about last week, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Let's read it all together. It's class participation day, okay? Read it with me. It says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. I bet you, okay, just think about this for a second. If I put a blank up on that screen and said, you cannot serve God and blank, what would you have put in the blank? Would you have put money? Mammon is another word for money or wealth. I bet you some people would say, you cannot serve God and the devil. Cannot serve God and yourself. Cannot serve God and the world. But Jesus is like, okay, yeah, devil, world, self, like blah, blah, blah. Yada, yada, yada. Let's be honest. Where the rubber meets the road is when it comes to your wallet, when it comes to money. That's where you can tell what's really on the inside. We talked about this last week. According to Jesus, the number one competitor for your heart and for your devotion and for your worship will be money, according to what Jesus said. And that's why he spoke about it so often. We talked about this last week. He spoke about money more than he spoke about heaven, more than he spoke about hell, more than he spoke about prayer, more than he spoke about faith. He spoke about money because money, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road and that's the true test of what's on the inside. He didn't speak about money because he wanted to have more of it. He spoke about money because he didn't want it to have us anymore. And that's why we're talking about money as well. And that's why last week I asked you that question. Today I'll ask you a slightly different question. Is do you have money or does money have you? Do you have money or does money have you? Who is serving who? But be honest. You don't got to answer to me. Like I'm not going to collect the answers at the end and give you a grade. Like it, you, you could trick me. You, you could say what you want to say. But in the end, you got to answer for yourself. Do you have money or does money have you? Who is serving who? Most people can see by the depressed looks on your faces. Most people would say, you know what, Father Anthony? Money doesn't have me. You know why? I don't have enough of it for it to have me. I wish I had this problem, Father Anthony. Like, I wish. I wish I had so much wealth and so much money that this was a struggle for me, but this just ain't a problem. I heard one person said it some, one time a nice way. He said, if money and wealth is a test, like, okay, I just want to sign up for the exam. Like, I just want to be invited to the exam room every now and then. Like, this isn't a problem. This is a nice message, Father Anthony. Go give it to the rich people, because this isn't for us. This is a nice message for somebody else who got too much money, but this isn't for us. To which I would respond and say, oh, really? Are you sure about that? Could it be? Who do we think Jesus is speaking to when he talks about money? Who do we think Jesus is speaking to? Could it be that he's speaking to a group of people and a far, far, far away land who celebrate Christmas every day of the week and have Christmas every day of the week. And you say, who's that? Well, what's Christmas? Christmas is when you're young, you walk out downstairs, and you find boxes with your name on them, and you don't know what's inside. So you're like, oh, I got a present. I don't know what's inside. I don't know about you. This is every day when I come home. Because every day I show up on my front porch, and I'm like, ooh, it's a box. And it's like Christmas Day. And it's like, Who's it addressed to? It's addressed to me. What's inside? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. That's Christmas. It's the same. The only difference here is that Santa 
okay? Instead of uh, with, with a sleigh uh, of, of gifts, he just drives a big blue truck that says Prime on it right there, and there's where all the gifts are, and he sleds up to your house, and he, just like Santa, drops it off and runs away. You can never see him, okay? It's the same. Could it be that Jesus, when he's talking about riches, is talking to people who celebrate Christmas every single day? Could it be that Jesus is speaking to people? Tell me if this is you. Who goes shopping? Who goes shopping? Either in person, okay, your, your Target or your, your, my wife is Costco, big Costco fan, or online. And you ask them the question, you're shopping, what are you looking for? I don't know, I haven't seen it yet. What are you looking for? I don't know, I haven't seen it. When I find it, then I'll know. Oh, there it is. That's what I was looking for. Could it be he's speaking to those people? Could it be that he's speaking to people who have more resources than at any time in the history of the world, yet are constantly thinking, I need more. If only I had more, just a little bit more. That's why today's lesson is this. Is to be rich, we don't need more money. We need more self-control. To be rich, we don't need more money. That's what we think. All of us here today, okay, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. Everyone here today feels financial pressure in some way, okay? I got two kids in high school. I know college is around the corner. I'm feeling the way you're feeling it. Retirement, stock market, interest rates, okay, price of gas, whatever, okay? I get it. Cost of milk, like I get it, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad. Everyone has financial pressure. The problem is, we think the solution to the pressure, we think if only I had more money, if only I had higher income, then the pressure would go away. And what Jesus says is no. The pressure will not go away if you have a higher income because you already have higher income and you have higher pressure. What we don't need is more income. We don't need more money. We need more self-control. It's not about how much is in your hand. It's about your ability to control what you do with that which is in your hand. And I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you right now. I'll make you feel so bad right now. I'll make you feel so bad right now. Every single person sitting in this room today and watching over in Arlington across the screen, every single person, answer the following question. Was there ever a point in time where you looked at it and said, you know what, if I can ever get to a certain, if I can get to that level of income, I'd be set. And are you sitting in that level of income right now? Like, can you look at it? Like, I look at it when I graduated college or when I first got married or whatever it was, if I can get to this level, and you know what happened? We got to that level. We got to that level 10 years ago. And then we got there and we said, no, it's that level. And then we got to that level and we said, no, it's that level. How many of us today are sitting at a level of income, of resources, of wealth? We've gotten exactly what we said. If we got this, we would be in great shape. And we're not. Now I want you to do this. Imagine in your mind. Go back to your former self. Okay, go, go, go time travel. Okay, like back to the future. Go back to, go back to the 10 years ago, your version of you. When you said, if I ever get to that point. Explain to that version of you how much money you have, how much you have in the bank. Explain to them everything that you got and then tell them the pressure you feel. They would throw you or themselves into an insane institution. They would say, this person's crazy. How could a person reach that point and have that much pressure? The answer is, because it's not about more money. It's about more self-control because your self-control determines who or what has control over you. Your self-control determines who or what has control over you. 
St. Paul talks about this issue of of self-control in a passage from Galatians chapter 5. It's a famous passage you've probably heard of. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is all about the person who is led by God, the person who lives with the Spirit of the living God inside them and lets the Spirit lead them. This is what their life is going to look like. The person who has God as their master, you can't have two masters, God or money. The person who has God as their master, this is what their life. And we're going to see that passage in a second. But before we see that, he sets it up earlier in the chapter by saying this, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He says, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. What he's saying is, is choose the right master and then you don't have to worry about the wrong master. So he's saying, don't worry so much about, I don't want this master. I don't want this master. I don't want this master. I don't want to be controlled by money. I don't want to be a slave to wealth and possession. I don't want to be, don't do that. Instead, choose the right master. And if you choose the right master, by default, you won't have to worry about that because you can't have two masters. You can't have two masters. You can't be listening to two people at the same time. But you know the other thing? You can't have two masters. You know what you also can't have? can't have zero masters either. We think we can. We think we can say, you know what? I don't need any master. I'm independent. I'm my own man. I don't need to tell me what to do. I'm free. I make my own choices. Be careful. Human beings were not created to live without a master. And in fact, I don't even think it's a possibility. If you say, I have no master, and you say, God is not my master, I will not be mastered by anyone. You know who ends up being your master? You know what you'll end up being mastered by? Your appetites your lusts, your desire. And I guarantee you, I I, some people I've never even met you before. Some people listen to this, I, ne- I never will meet you, but I know one thing about you without a shadow of a doubt, and that's this. That nobody wants to be mastered by an appetite. Nobody wants to be mastered by an appetite. And that's exactly what happens if you don't choose your master. We all know somebody. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. We know somebody, a friend, okay? Sometimes the friend is the one we see in the mirror, but let's say it's a friend. We all know somebody who spent a lot of time, a lot of money, paid a very high price for the sake of an appetite that, they, that controlled them, for the sake of an appetite that it's no big deal, like it's, I can control it, I'm just having fun, I can stop anytime I want. And if you went to that person whose life was, was, was destroyed by this appetite that it took over, At any point in time, you would say to them, who's the master of your life? I'm the master of my life. Who controls you? I control me. Nobody controls me. (laughs) But the truth is if you don't choose a master, the master will be chosen for you and it will end up being your own appetite, your own desire for more, your own lust of the flesh. Because the truth is all of us, that's how we were made. We weren't made to live as masters of ourselves. And because I love you and because God loves you even more, He doesn't want to see any of us mastered by an appetite. That's why he says, walk in the spirit. You won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then he tells us, if you choose the right master, and you say, God, you are my master. Jesus, I follow you and only you. I don't want any other master. The outcome of that, that's the rest of the passage, Galatians 5, 22 to 23. He says, the fruit of that is simple. It's all the things that you want in life. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and there's our word, self-control. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that the life that you want? Well, Jesus says the way you get there is you choose the right master. And specifically, we're not gonna talk about all of those. We could spend a whole series on love, joy, peace, patience, like all those things that we struggle with those. But I'm not talking about those today. I'm just talking about that last one, self-control. 
I guarantee you. Okay, forget about you. I guarantee you, your family wants you to have more self-control. If you're married, your spouse is praying that you would have more self-control. Your kids wish you had more self-control. Think about it. The people that you want around you, don't you want them to have self-control? Like, don't you wish... Don't you wish that if your kids marry someone, don't you wish that your daughter would marry a husband who's very good at self-control? Or do you want him to, uh, is, is controlled by the lust of the flesh? Don't you wish that your son would marry someone who is very good at this? Don't you wish your parents were better at self-control looking back? Don't you wish your boss? Don't you wish your colleague? Don't you wish your neighbor? Don't you wish your kids? Don't you wish everyone around you is better at self-control? Well, I'm saying is we need to be that same way for them. We want to be people known for self-control, not mastered by appetite. But the only way to get there is to make sure that we have the right master. In another passage, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus speaks about this and makes it very practical, very practical for us, and that's going to lead to our challenge, which you're going to hate my guts when I say the challenge. If you struggle with anxiety or worry or stress about possessions or about the future or about how am I going to provide or how am I going to... If that's you, listen very carefully. Matthew chapter six, that's your chapter, the tail end of it, from 25 to the end. It's like six, seven verses. That's what you should print and put it up on your wall. I tell this to people all the time. You read it every day because this is the passage where Jesus speaks very practically about what it means to struggle with the anxieties and the cares of this world. It starts off with the verse that we looked at earlier, okay? And then he continues. No one can serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. That's the subject heading. That's like, this is what I'm gonna talk about. This is the topic of my sermon today. That's what Jesus says. Now he gives an illustration, verse 25. He says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? To which we as church people say, of course it is. We know that. He goes on. He says, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Basically says, what are you living for? Are you living for just the earthly? You're living for just the food and the clothing, just the stuff? And if that's the case, you will always be stressed. You will always feel pressure. You always feel like I don't have enough. You always feel like someone is chasing you and you can never get above, okay? You can never catch up and get, catch your breath. That's how you're gonna feel. But the minute, the minute that you say, you know, I'm not living for that stuff. I'm not living, for, that's not my, my master is Jesus. The minute you say that, all of a sudden the pressure, it's a pressure release. He goes on and he gives a similar analogy about the lilies of the field. We'll skip that and move on. He says, God takes care of the birds, take care of the flowers. Then he goes to verse 31. He says, therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Now, listen here. For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. I don't know about you, but that verse there, for after all these things, the Gentiles seek. That's a tough verse. Because you know what Jesus is saying? He's saying, what's the difference between you and an atheist? What's the difference between you and an atheist? Like you believe in God. Other people don't believe in God. There's no difference. Like the people who don't believe in God, I get it. He's saying, but you, 
Like, you believe in God. We believe in one God, God the Father, the Pontiac, the creator of all things seen and unseen. Like, you say you believe in God, the creator. You say you believe in God, the almighty. You say you believe in God sent his son to save us from, from sin. Like, you believe in God. Like, I tell you, you uh, sin and eternity, I trust God with eternity. You salvation, I trust God with salvation. Uh, my daughter is sick, I trust God to heal. Or like, everything, whatever it may be, we trust God, we trust God, we trust God. And it comes to money, no, I don't trust God. What does it say about us? What does it say about us? What it says, what Jesus is saying, is if you really believed in me, if you really believed in God, where the rubber meets the road, okay, the expression we use, put your money where your mouth is. Put your money where your mouth is. Don't tell me I surrender my heart to Jesus. Don't tell me I crucify my flesh. Don't tell me I live for an audience of one. What Jesus says, I don't care about any of that stuff. Jesus says, as one time said famously in a movie, show me the money. I don't think he really said it, but you know what I mean, okay. Show me the money. Because if in the end, God is not king and master over our wallets and our bank accounts, then I got news for you. He ain't king and master over our lives. Like you can say what you want to say. You can sing the song. You can, you, you can do all that stuff. But if he's not king in that area, he's not king over my life. And I hate to say this, like I even debated, I wrote in my notes here, don't say this. But I knew I was going to say it anyway. <laughs> if God isn't king over our wallets, God isn't king over our finances, forgive me, then we're not really followers of Jesus. We're users. When we want something, when we need something, we go to him. When he says do this, I'll get back to you. That isn't a follower. That's a user. I don't want that to be us. Verse 33. He gives us the answer. He says, seek first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He's saying, stop pursuing this. Pursue this. And if you pursue this, you won't have to worry about this. Pursue. He's not saying stop pursuing money. Because he knows that's hard for us and the appetites. What he's saying is don't seek to remove, replace and seek first the kingdom of God. And I want to stress on this word first because he didn't say seek only the kingdom of God, which would seem like it's more spiritual. Jesus is practical. So you say, but I got bills and I got college. Jesus said, I get it. I get it. You got stuff. But it comes down to who you pursue first. You pursue me first and all these things shall be added unto you. What's all these things? What's all these things? The things that we're stressed about. The things that we're worried about. I'll take care of you. I know you got kids that need to go to school. I got it. I know you need to feed yourself. Maybe not as much as you think, but I, I know you need to eat. I know you need shelter. Like, I got you. I know. But seek me first, and I got the other stuff. Because in the end, someone has to come first. Someone has to come first. And you must decide. First his kingdom, or first my kingdom. Can't have both. <clears throat> and why this is important? Old people in the room. Okay, the old people in the room, you're going to love what I'm about to say. If you're, okay, depending on your age right here, I'm going to tell you something that if you're old, you're going to agree 1,000% with what I'm going to say. The younger you are, the more you might resist this. Like when I was in my 20s and someone would have told me this, I'd be like, okay, maybe, old guy, whatever. When you hit your 40s, you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. By your 60s, you're like, how come no one told me this earlier? And that is this. When we put us first, 
we come in last. All the old people agree. You don't have to like show your age, but you know what I'm saying. The older you get in life, the more you realize it's a thousand percent true. The more we put ourselves first, the more we come in last. And you know why? Because each one of us, as I said earlier, we have natural appetites and desires and we stink at controlling them. So when I say, I'm first, you know what's gonna happen? My appetite's gonna say, you need that and you need that and go grab that and take that. And I'm gonna be like, I don't think it's a good idea. Be quiet, we're gonna go get that. And we're gonna need that because we gotta keep up with that. And how are we gonna survive without that? And my appetites are gonna take, I'm not, I'm not good at saying no to myself. I'm not good at it. I don't know, maybe you're better than me. I'm not good at saying no to myself. So what I need to do is say to myself, you ain't first. You're at the back of the line. Someone else has to come first. We're gonna put him and his kingdom first and his kingdom, just so you know, is all about others, not myself. That's his kingdom. That's what Jesus was all about. Jesus said, son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So we're gonna put his kingdom first and his kingdom is gonna be about serve others, love others. Is gonna be first to give or it is to take. That's the way Jesus is. That's his kingdom. It, that, I didn't make the rules. Jesus made the rules. We're gonna say, Jesus, your kingdom first. I'm not saying we're all gonna be monks and nuns and live in, in caves or something like that. Put your kingdom first. My kingdom's gonna go second, maybe even third if I can get a third. But you're gonna take care of all these things. But number one thing I'm gonna pursue is your kingdom and his righteousness. And that, not about money, is the only way to protect our hearts. Don't hate me yet. You still don't hate me, right? Everyone's still with me? No one hate me yet? Okay, here comes the part where you're probably gonna hate me. Let's get practical. How can we make this practical? How can we make it so that we put his kingdom first, practically speaking? I'm gonna challenge you to do something. Again, I ain't gonna pass out a collection plate. I ain't gonna ask you to give any money. I promise you I'm not gonna ask any money, give any, anybody give any money to the church. But I'm gonna challenge you to do something that I have told many people to do. I've said it in sermons. I told many people one-on-one. And again, I promise you, at the beginning, if you've never done this before, if you've done this, trust me, you're gonna see people who, as I'm saying it, they're gonna be going like this. They've done it, and they know the power of it in their, in your, in their lives. Other people, if you've never done this, you're gonna be like, all right, we stayed a little bit too long. Like, okay, he was good the first 15 minutes, but then he kind of over, like, that's what you're gonna think. But just trust me. I've challenged people to do it before. No one has ever died from what I'm about to say. No one has ever lost their home, okay, and been out in the street because of what I'm about to say. What I'm gonna ask you to do is to flip the script on your view of money. What I mean by that? The way we usually view money is this way. Live, save, give. So first thing we do, we gotta live our lives. We need to spend whatever it is that we need on ourselves. We need to buy this. We need to have this. We live our lives. And then after that, okay, we got some little bit left over. We want to make sure we put it away so we can live our lives in the future. Okay, it's really the same purpose, but I want to live my life tomorrow. And then you know what? Any leftover, we can give. Anything left over at the end. Let's call this the average American life. This is a life. If you want this life, you'll have more stuff than you've ever had and less peace than you've ever had. You have more stuff, but come with it, the anxiety, the stress, and what you lose is the joy and the peace. We can call this me first living with some leftover giving, if you wanted to summarize it. And Jesus says, let's flip it. Let's do it this way. Let's go give, 
save, and then live. Meaning, from the top, I'm going to say, I'm going to start off, because I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. Not only, I'm not saying give all my money, but what I'm saying is the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give. The first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give to his kingdom. I'm going to say, you know what? First thing, I'm going to give this, whatever that may be. And then after that, I'm going to say, you know what? I want to put some away for my future because it's probably a responsible thing to do. And then whatever's left, I'll live off of that. Now you say, ah, that's not how it works. That's not how it works in our family. And I say to you, I guarantee you that amount that you have at the bottom, you will survive. And if that amount is this, do you know what? This is exactly how much you're going to need. And if that amount is this, this is how much you're going to need. I'm telling you, whether the money goes up or the money goes down, it doesn't matter. You're going to end up living off whatever it is you decide to live off of because you already do it. You already say, I can only live off of X amount. Well, all I'm saying is make that amount, set the amount in advance as opposed to after the fact. And when you do this, again, you're not going to believe me, but you got to trust me. The peace, the love, the joy, all those good things, I'm telling you, your ability, I know you, don't just, I know you don't believe me, but trust me, your ability to go deeper in your relationship with God is directly connected to this. And you say, what's the connection? And I'm telling you, just trust me on this one. Trust me. Because the litmus test of our devotion to God is our willingness to put him and others first in our finances. The test of our devotion to God is our willingness to put him or others first in our finances. Let me say that in a more fun way. Telling your money where to go is proof that your money ain't running the show. Proof that money isn't your master is you talk to it. And you say, okay, money, here, here's what we're going to do. Money, you're going to go over there. And money's going to say, no, 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 but we can't because don't, for, worry, don't forget about me. You're going to say, hey, money, money, money. I'm in charge here, not you. You go over there, and then I'm going to put some of you over there, and then whatever's left, okay, we'll go over here. And money's going to be like, no, but you need. And money's going to say, no, but don't, don't forget about me. You're going to say, money, I'm, I'm in control of you. You're not in control of me. You don't tell me what I need. I tell you what I need. And I need you to go there. Then I need you to go there. And then whatever's left, all, the, all your, the little friends that are left over, we'll take care of them. Because you serve me, not vice versa. Practically, I didn't get to the challenge yet. Here comes the challenge. Are you ready? The challenge is a two-month challenge, and that is this. I will challenge you for two months to choose a percentage of your income and give it away as soon as you get paid. Choose a percentage of your income and give it away as soon as you get paid for two months. And look here, good news for you. If you're hearing me today for the first time, you got lucky. Usually it's a three-month challenge. Okay, but like, this is like a, you know, like a, a sale, all must go, okay? Like everything's gotta go, so I gave it to you for two months, okay? Usually I tell people for three months, but the world moves so fast. For two months, two months, we're at the end of August right now, so start, starting in September. You choose, off the bat, I'm gonna give X percent away, and then I'm gonna live off the rest. Now you say, hey, wait a minute, Father Anthony, bait and switch, you told us you're not gonna ask us for any money. You said that. What I said is I'm not gonna ask for any money for the church, and I'm not asking for money. So I'm not telling you to give this money to me. I'm not telling you to give this money even to the church. If you choose to give it to the church, like more power to you, but I'm telling you, give it wherever you want. This isn't about the church needs money. Give it wherever away. Like find an organization that you support that's doing great work. I can give you a list of many. There's many out there. Give it away anywhere. This isn't about we need money. This is about we need money not to own us. 
So I'm telling you, if you think this is my way of asking for money, I am not at all. What I'm saying, this is my way of caring about you and caring about your heart. So what you say is, once I get the money, I am going to decide X percent. I'm going to give it away before anything else happens, before saving, before spending, before mortgage, before anything. I'm going to give it away and I'm going to live off whatever is left over. How much is the percentage? I'm not here to tell you how much, but I will say this. It should be something that you feel. Like, don't tell me, okay, I'm going to give 10 bucks as soon as I give. It's not something you're going to feel. Make it a percentage and challenge yourself. It's just like when we go to the gym. The person who wants to get in shape and say, okay, I'm going to go to the gym and carry very light weight. Look, I did my job. You can do anything. You have to challenge yourself. It should be an amount that makes you think twice. It should be like, okay, that amount that I'm like, well, uh, am I sure? And you should be tempted to potentially lower that amount. That's the amount that I want. And as soon as you do it, as soon as you do it, I need you to do something else. And you, some of you already, right now, it's happening, right now. As soon as you decide on that amount, again, if you've never done this before, there will be an internal struggle. Or maybe you've done this before, but you haven't challenged yourself. There will be this internal struggle. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to, this is more important than the first part. When I tell you challenge yourself, and I tell you give away that amount, and then you struggle on the inside, I need you to pay attention to the internal conversation. What are you saying to yourself? Why are you so resistant to this? Why do you hate my gut so much right now, in other words? Why is this so hard? Because again, I don't care about the money. I care about the heart. So why is this? You might learn something about yourself. I say, challenge yourself, give a percentage off the top, and you say, no, and I can't. And just ask yourself, why can't I? Why is this so difficult? Who's truly the master and in control of my life? So I'm going to give you three questions in addition to this challenge. I'm going to give you three questions in addition to this challenge, and I would encourage you to take some time this week to examine yourself, think about these questions, discuss it with your spouse, you talk about it over dinner on the car ride home, and hopefully, it's again, it's not about money as much as about our heart, but hopefully the money will teach us something about ourselves. Here's the three questions. The first question, what would you do if you need to receive an extra paycheck this month? All of a sudden, you decide, or the company decides you got an extra paycheck. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? And I want to tell you with this one, don't overthink this one. First thing that comes to your mind. What well, first thing that popped in your head? Second, what do you prioritize the most? Giving, saving, or spending? Third, are you willing to take the two-month challenge? And if the answer is no, why not? Hate my guts? Some people didn't say no. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. I'm telling you this from my heart. Okay, I told you guys this last week. I'm not saying this because I'm saying I'm better. I'm saying some areas I'm better than you, some areas I'm worse than you. We're all good and bad in different ways. So it's not a matter of, it's nothing like that. But I'm just saying the honest truth is that this, what I'm preaching right now, is not hard for me. This is not an area that I struggle with. Both me and my wife. We oh, talked about this last week. This is how we were raised. There's never been once in my life, once in my life, that I ever even thought for one second that 100% of my money was mine. Never once. Never once. Because that's how I was raised. That's how my parents raised me. We were always raised that percentage goes to God right off the bat, and the rest you can do what you want with, but you be responsible and you save for the future, and then you spend on yourself. 
Any time in my life that I've ever gotten more, there's never been a thought, my parents graded in me, there's never been a thought that says, ooh, that's good, I can spend it on X. It was always, God has given me more because he wants me to give more. That's always the way God, my parents raised me. I'm not saying I'm better than anyone, I'm just telling the truth. And because of that, this is the way we raise our children. We raise our children, so I'm not just telling you stuff that I want from you. I'm telling you, this is how we teach our children, that you give first, that's the first thing that comes off because we want them to make sure it's not that, you know, I'm thinking to myself, if my kids gave more, gave their allowance, we could build a building. It's not like the church needs the kids, you know, $5 a week or whatever it is. What I don't need is the church to have the kids' money. What I need is money not to have my kids' hearts. And that's why I'm saying the same thing to you. I want my children to say, Jesus is my master, nothing else. I don't want them to ever think twice. I don't want them to be in the constant rat race. I don't want them to be always thinking, how am I going to get more? And that's why from a very young age, I want to ingrain this inside them. And my hope and my prayer is it's not just them, but it's in all of us. Because the bottom line, you can't have two masters. You can't. You got to choose. Can't have zero, can't have two. You got to choose who's going to be your master. And if you don't choose, I guarantee you, your appetites will choose for you. And none of us, we said that, none of us want to be mastered by an appetite. What we want is we want to live a rich life. We want to be rich. Not rich isn't the path, the path of getting rich isn't having more money. The path of getting rich is having more self-control. And the way we get there is we make Jesus the master of our lives. And trust me, if you do that, trust me on this one. If you do that, you will thank me, your family will thank me, and maybe future generations will thank me as well. Because the life to richness is in realizing that money can add tremendous meaning to your life, but only when you realize that it's a means, not the end. Let's stand up together and say a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for all that you've given to us. And we repent, Lord, for, for so often looking at like what we're lacking and forgetting to thank you for all that you've given us. We have so much more, Lord, than, than, than we deserve. Lord, help us to choose you as our master. We want to choose you as our master because you're the only one, Lord, that is worth following in this universe. Give us the, the, the courage and the strength to take the challenge to make you our master and put you first in this area of our finances. We ask this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.